Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello, I'm Monica Reinagel, and you're listening to the Nutrition Diva podcast. And today we're talking about how diet and nutrition support thyroid health. Hashimoto's thyroiditis is a somewhat common autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid gland, and it affects more women than men, and it's usually diagnosed in early adulthood. Typical symptoms of low thyroid function include unexplained hair loss, weight gain, dry skin, and intolerance to cold temperatures. And if you're suffering from any of those symptoms, your doctor may order a blood test just to see how your thyroid is functioning. Standard medical treatment for Hashimoto's focuses on monitoring the levels of thyroid hormone and then supplementing them with replacement hormone as needed. Beyond that, though, a conventional endocrinologist isn't likely to have much, if anything, to say in regards to diet or lifestyle changes. But women who get this diagnosis often stumble across a lot of alternative therapies online, including a controversial diet called the autoimmune protocol. Joining me today to discuss the role of nutrition in supporting a healthy thyroid is Sunny Brigham, a clinical nutritionist who specializes in digestive health, healthy weight loss, and all things thyroid, including Hashimoto's disease. She's also an adjunct professor at Maryland University of Integrative Health. Welcome, Sunny. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you just quickly give us an overview of the basic tenets of the autoimmune protocol? Yeah, so the basic tenets of the autoimmune protocol is essentially just to remove all inflammatory foods from the body or foods that have been classified at one point or another to be inflammatory to someone somewhere at some point in their life. (laughs) And this would leave you with a small handful of foods to consume. Um, At the end of the day, you're essentially consuming meat, a small handful of vegetables, and one to two servings of low sugar fruit a day. The diet does remove all grains, all legumes, including peanuts, all nuts, all seeds, most fruits, and actually some vegetables from the diet, including starchy vegetables, some nightshades, lots of different seasonings, your beloved coffee, or I should say my beloved coffee, tea, (laughs) chocolate, popcorn, you know, all the good things that we tend to look forward to. So it's it's a very basic basic diet is what it comes down to. Right. So this is a somewhat standard elimination diet protocol, or maybe even more extensive than some. And then the idea is once you've reduced symptoms, then you systematically reintroduce foods and see if you can catch which ones might be triggering your reactions. That is the overall goal of it. Yes. I call it the elimination diet on steroids because- It can take you, you know, all the foods that it's removing, it can take you almost two years to 
properly reintroduce all these foods back into your diet. So it's, it's, uh, I get a lot of people that come to me and say, uh, well, my doctor wanted me to follow this for three months or my integrative doctor wanted me to follow this for three months. And I'm thinking, okay, well, three months is kind of the starting point. You know, this is Mm -hmm. really a long haul diet that you're taking on here. And as you say, it's very extreme. It's quite restrictive. For example, what happens if you are a vegan? Then, you know, because meat is kind of one of the foods that stays in place here, then you're down to pretty much just a couple of vegetables and some fruit, maybe not even a fully balanced diet. Exactly. Because you're not getting any legumes. You're pretty much taking out all sources of vegetarian or vegan protein from the Mm -hmm. diet. And nobody can really subsist on, you know, that, I mean, it would be limited calories to, you know, Right. At the end of the day as well. So this might actually not even be an option for vegans. I would agree. Although I have seen people do it and it hasn't, hasn't, the outcome hasn't been great. (laughs) Well, in, in your opinion, how strong is the evidence to support this autoimmune protocol approach? Have there been good peer reviewed studies on the outcomes here, or is this mostly based on anecdotal evidence? It is mostly based on anecdotal evidence. Hmm. Um, when you do, you know, search on PubMed or any of the other search engines for peer-reviewed studies, there's really only one that I was able to uncover, and it was a very small study. It started with 17 women and ended 16 to finish, so very, very small. And what they found is it didn't actually have any impact on their antibodies. Their antibodies did not lower. The alterations to their thyroid wasn't there as often as promised. It did bring down their CRP, which is a common marker for inflammation in the body, but it didn't have the effect on the thyroid that is often touted when people see this diet. But by and large, anecdotal is what's kind of pushing the autoimmune protocol. Wow. So was this study long enough to have gone through not only the elimination period, the initial elimination period, but then the entire reintroduction, or did it just focus on that initial elimination period? It just focused on the initial elimination Mm -hmm. period. Right. Well, you know, and yet there is anecdotal evidence with uh, women who have Hashimoto's that they consider to be poorly managed with just the standard conventional medical treatment, they do feel better. So there might be something here, but I wonder if it is more extreme and more restrictive than actually necessary to bring relief from these symptoms. I think it's the latter um, because, I mean, most often individuals today are eating a fairly processed diet or just maybe not even a well-balanced diet, you know, more carbohydrates and less protein than they need. And so they're experiencing a lot of symptoms that come with a low nutritive value diet. Hmm. And so when they kind of go from their standard everyday diet to something so extreme like the autoimmune protocol, after they get through that initial their body's kind of rebelling against them. They have the, and the brain fog starts to go away. You get the headaches that kind of come when you cut sugar and things like that out of your diet. They initially start to feel better after those first three to five days. And they think this is it. This is the diet for me. But quite honestly, I see the same thing with other women that have Hashimoto's without doing such an extreme diet, just by making small little changes to their diet, maybe increasing their protein or changing refined carbohydrates for more complex carbohydrates or paying attention to their body and seeing what foods just don't make them feel well. Are there certain foods that are creating a little reflux for them? Or are there certain foods that are creating bloating or 
feeling a little sleepy after they're having. That's a better and easier way to understand what foods might be causing these reactions than something that's so extreme. Um, But I think you can get to the same end goal without taking on something so restrictive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh generation. Find seventh generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Sunny, you've said that you do have a lot of women who come into your practice who have tried this on their own. What what has your clinical experience been with this protocol, specifically with Hashimoto's patients? With my Hashimoto's patients, when they have tried it, often they come to me after they feel like they have failed. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like they couldn't make it work for them. And I have to challenge them on that thought process because I feel like the diet is set up for failure. It's it's very difficult to do if you work, if you have kids, if you have a life. It's it's <laughs> very hard to stick with. And so as you know, women in general that tend to be chronic dieters, we typically blame ourselves immediately when we can't stick with a diet. And that's not necessarily the the correct thought process to take because often these diets just aren't set up for, they're not set up correctly for the body, I should say. Um, So what I see is, you know, the women that come to me and say, well, I've done this and it didn't work for me. So I must be broken. There's something wrong with me. So we have to kind of backstep a little bit and kind of look at things and I'll ask them what they tried and why they feel that it didn't work for them and what it comes down to. It was just too restrictive for their body. And so then I start them with, okay, well, let's just Let's just listen. Let's listen to your body and tune into it because it's talking to you all the time. We just need to learn how to listen to it a little bit better. But by and large, most people fail on the diet and then they blame themselves. So we kind of take a a little bit more of an altered approach to it. Yeah, it sounds like we can get largely the same results with a much less restrictive diet by customizing it and being more responsive to each patient instead of this sort of blanket, let's just remove everything that's ever been a problem for anyone from your diet that should do it, but at what cost? At that point, the cure almost becomes more burdensome than the disease. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you approach women with Hashimoto's to optimize their health and well-being? Some dietary tweaks, but what what makes the biggest difference for them? 
It's hard to say that there's one thing that makes a big difference because I kind of take a three-step approach to Hashimoto. So first and foremost, I really like for everyone to do a food mood log. And this is a log where we're going to write down what foods we're consuming. And we're not worried about calories. We're not worried about um, serving sizes. It doesn't matter if we had six ounces of beef or a burger and some fries. It makes no difference. The goal is to just write what you had. And then how did that food make you feel? Did you notice any symptoms that come up? Did you feel any different after the meal than you did before the meal? So the first thing I had them do is really start to look at their food, the foods that they're consuming, and what effect that's having on their overall health. The second thing that we do is we look at sleep. Fatigue is a really big um, symptom. I don't want to say a problem, but it's a really big symptom. It's a common symptom of women with Hashimoto's. And they can sleep, you know, nine, 10 hours a night and still feel extremely exhausted during the day. And some of that is due to the food. Some of it's due to hormone imbalance and some of it is due to just sleep quality. Um, the women that typically have Hashimoto's disease often tend to be the women that are doing it all, which I think is a good majority of the women today. <laughs> and, you know, their minds are racing at night. So they typically take a little bit longer to sleep. They wake up constantly throughout the night. And so they're never really hitting those deep sleep cycles where your body actually repairs. And so they're not really regenerating that nice DNA, creating new cell tissue throughout the night. And so they just feel exhausted all day long. So sleep quality is something that we focus on. And then stress management. I never say stress reduction because I think in this day and age, it's it's insane to think that you can reduce your stress. I think that is an unrealistic goal, but we can manage our stressors a little bit better. You can't change the stress that happens outside of your own personal home or outside your own personal being, but you can work to manage your response to those various stressors that you're going to encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. So those are the three approaches that we typically, or that I typically take when I have a new patient with Hashimoto's. Right. And very little of what you just discussed is going to be included in that conventional endocrinology approach, which is let's just add thyroid hormone until we get your numbers in range. And if you don't feel well, well, maybe, you know, that's in your head or something. So I can see why women go looking for more answers, more solutions, but it sounds like they don't need to go nearly as far as the autoimmune protocol would suggest in order to feel a whole lot better. Exactly. You hit it right on the head. And I can, like you said, I can understand why they're researching and I applaud them for taking control of their health, for doing the, the heavy lifting, for doing the work and the research because they didn't get the answers that satisfied them at their primary care physician's office or their endocrinologist's office. One, um, one thing that I often say to the women in my world that have Hashimoto's disease is that your thyroid medication doesn't actually do anything for your antibodies. And a lot of them didn't know this coming in. They think that this medication is going to balance my thyroid hormones, but it's also going to lower my antibodies. It doesn't do anything for the antibodies. You have to start thinking of these conditions as basically two separate things. They do play off of each other, but you can have general hypothyroidism without Hashimoto's, and you can have Hashimoto's without hypothyroidism. Right. And just to explain, the antibodies are a measure of the body's autoimmune activity. So they're being generated because the body is fighting against its own tissue. So that can be a marker of how active that autoimmune activity is. Yes, exactly. 
Well, before I let you go, I know that there is a lot of questionable information and advice out there for women with both Hashimoto's and non-Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. So are there other myths or misinformation that you come across over and over again that you'd like to clear up? Yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with, I feel like I'm going to get vilified for this answer and I'm okay with that. (laughs) You're (laughs) in good company. (laughs) It's it's a very controversial uh, response I'm going to give. Um, But I would encourage anybody that feels um, targeted by my answer to dive into the research themselves. So one that really sticks out to me is soy. I feel Mm -hmm. like soy gets a bad rap on the internet. You know, everyone wants everybody to stay away from soy. And with Hashimoto's, that is one of the first foods that people will say, you have to remove, you have to stay away from soy. But nobody is actually looking at the benefits of soy or reading the studies on soy. And I'm not talking about like processed soy products, but really healthy soy, like fermented soy, tempeh and and miso, things that are really good for your gut microbiome. Um, but people say, let's remove soy because it's a goitrogen. It affects how the thyroid functions. And it can be. It absolutely can be a goitrogen, but it's not a goitrogen for everybody. But if we look at sweet potatoes and strawberries, those are also goitrogens. But nobody is, you know, standing on top of the mountain screaming, everybody stop eating sweet potatoes. Right. And often the degree to which they would have an effect on the thyroid is dependent on other nutritional statuses like iodine sufficiency and those kinds of things. So in the correct, in a well-balanced diet, they may have no negative effect whatsoever. And like you said, a lot of positive benefits. Exactly. It's not just a soy is bad, let's remove it from the population. There are so many factors that go into whether soy is okay for a person or soy is not okay for a person. And I think the same point could be made about the cruciferous vegetables, which are also often held up as goitrogens and can often be very safely consumed by people with Hashimoto's in the right context. And they are super nutritious. And even the nightshades that you mentioned that were eliminated on the autoimmune protocol, it's true that some subset of the population are very sensitive to the solanine in nightshades and may have inflammatory responses. But for the majority of the population who is not sensitive to solanine, you're just eliminating a lot of really nutritious vegetables by eliminating that whole category of foods. And for people who are wondering what nightshades are, I do have a whole episode on nightshades and we'll link to that in the show notes so that you can research that further. Exactly. I think I've only had one uh, one client that truly reacted to solanine. Everyone mm-hmm. else might partic- maybe react to one particular nightshade, if at all. But right. otherwise, you're just removing, like you said, nutritious foods for the body without ever really needing to. Exactly. And what we're after here is a healthy life that we can actually enjoy living at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sunny, for sharing your experience and your expertise with my audience. I really appreciate it. And you can learn more about Sunny Brigham's holistic approach to health and nutrition and thyroid health on her website, which is at completehealthsb.com. And of course, we'll have a link to that in our show notes. Thanks again, Sunny. Thank you, Monica, for having me. I appreciate it. And you'll find show notes for today, along with transcripts for all of our episodes on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. 
And I'd also like to invite you to check out my other podcast with Brock Armstrong. It's called The Change Academy. And in that podcast, we talk about the art and science of behavior change. The Nutrition Diva podcast is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Nathan Sams with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller and our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week and remember to eat something good for me. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.